You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. I want to talk now about... um, Freedom. We, we sang a song that talked about freedom just now. I love stories about people overcoming difficulties and coming into freedom. One of my favorite films is a film from the 1990s called Shawshank Redemption. It was actually voted as the most popular film of all time. And uh, it involves a guy who is unjustly imprisoned and eventually after many, many years finding freedom, coming out of prison. And I've always just loved those, I always love those stories about people coming into freedom. As a young Christian, uh, I remember singing a hymn. Uh, it's a hymn called And Can It Be that talks about, about being in prison and Jesus stepping into the prison and shining his light into the prison. And I, I rose, went, uh, broke broke out and followed Jesus. I loved that song. I loved that song. I love this concept of freedom. You know, uh, don't misunderstand me at all here, but if I had my own church, I would call it Freedom Church. Okay, don't misunderstand. Influence Church. I love Influence Church. Best name there is. But if the, if there was the second best name would be Freedom Church. I was at a conference this week and uh, there was a guy there from Freedom City Church. And I thought that is such a brilliant name because the gospel is about bringing freedom to people. That's what Jesus came to this world to do, to bring freedom, to bring freedom to the prisoners, to set the captives free. Now, I was struck by the words of a song that we were singing a couple of weeks ago. It was the uh, song by Elevation Worship called Worthy. And the words are going to come up on the screen now. I was struck by these words. It was my cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for. It was my cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for. And I want to ask a rather blunt question. And the question is this, are we living in the freedom that he died for? Are we actually living in the freedom he died for? We might sing the song, how much of a reality is it in our lives that we are genuinely living in the freedom that he died for. That, the words of that song, it says, so I could live. Could means there's potential. It doesn't mean it's automatic. I can live in that freedom, but it's not automatic. I need to choose to live in that freedom. And I want to suggest that if we want to live in a greater measure of the freedom he died for, that we need to understand the freedom he died for better. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. That if if we want to be free, we need to know the truth. Ben preached recently about the cross. 
And he talked about the significance of the cross. And that we don't move past the cross. Because it's at the cross that we were set free. Everything for our freedom was at the cross. And I think today there's going to be three applications. This is going to be relevant to us in one of three ways. I'm going to talk about the freedom that comes from the, cro- from the cross. And maybe there are some of us who need to walk in a greater measure of freedom and that actually that freedom can come today as you grasp hold of the truth of what Jesus did at the cross. That freedom can come into your life in a fresh way. There may be some of us who we have experienced freedom because we've had an encounter with God, but what we need is we need a a better biblical framework and understanding of what Jesus did. We need to know the truth. So it's not just about our experience of freedom, but we know the truth of our freedom and the truth that undergirds our freedom. So that when things go a bit rocky, we've got that truth still in place. So there's some of us who need to come into freedom, some of us who need a fuller understanding of that freedom, and some of us who've got all those things already. And actually today, as, you, as we go through a whole load of things about the freedom that Jesus brought to us through the cross, actually what it does, it will stir worship in our hearts. That actually we say, God, you are so amazing that you've done all this for me. So those are the three different areas that we might respond. And I'm guessing that uh, probably there'll be a bit of an overlap as well. Bear with me a moment. So I'm very ambitious today with my title for my preach because my title, and bear with me and don't let your heart sink when I say this, my title is Nine Things That Happened at the Cross. Somebody has nine things that happened at the cross. Nine things that, that, that happened at the cross that affect your freedom. And uh, somebody said to me as I was walking in, I hear you're talking about nine things. That's going to be about three and a half hours. Uh, Should I have brought a pillow? So no, because what we're going to do, we're going to rush through these really quickly. I want to go through a whole load of things because it's almost going to be little snapshots. Little snapshots. I'm not going to go through, you know, hours and hours on each one of these things. Little snapshots that will just help to give us a broad picture of Jesus' death on the cross and what it achieved in terms of our freedom. And actually, so I'm not going to do justice to any of these nine things. And I know that there are loads of things that were accomplished at the cross I'm not even going to mention today. But uh, you'll have to just um, bear with me on that. So the first one, and we all know this, is you were forgiven. At the cross, you were forgiven. This is the one that we know the best, that we're most familiar with. At the cross, he took our sins. And so if we have put our faith in him, we are utterly forgiven. He has chosen not to remember our sins anymore. At the cross, he took our guilt, so we are free from guilt. We are free from shame because he took those things at the cross. We are not guilty and we don't need to feel guilty. And if we still have those feelings of guilt, those feelings of shame, then we are not living in the freedom that he died for. So we can put aside those feelings of guilt and shame because they're not the reality. The reality is he died so that we should not have guilt and shame. And so Romans 8 verse 1 says this, therefore there is now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no guilt, there is no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I was just thinking this morning as well about this, that actually we are forgiven, but sometimes we need to forgive other people, that somehow Jesus ties those two things together, our being forgiven and us forgiving other people. Because if we don't forgive other people, then we are not living in the freedom that Jesus died for. So sometimes we've got to forgive others to enable us to live in the freedom that he wants us to live in. So first thing We were forgiven for our sin. The second thing I want to say, and and bear in mind these are a bit random. I'm going to be dotting around all over the place, and I haven't got nice headings for all of them. The second one is this. You gained free access to God. Up until the day that Jesus died on the cross, God was always kept separate. He needed to be separate because he was utterly holy. He didn't want to be separate. His heart was always to be with his people, but there always had to be that separation because of our unholiness. But on the day that Jesus died, something dramatic happened that we were given free access to God. We were free to come into the presence of God at any time. So in the temple in Jesus' day, there was this massive, massive curtain, a really, really thick curtain that was designed to keep God, the very presence of God, separate from all the people. And on the day that Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. And it symbolizes that there is now no barrier between us and the presence of God. So now what happened at the cross was we are made able, we are freed to be able to come into the very presence of God. We are free to approach God with confidence. And so Hebrews 4 verse 16 says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That before Jesus died on the cross, people could not approach the throne of grace with confidence. But now we are free to do that. The third thing I want to say that happened at the cross is you were justified. Justification. It's kind of one of those long words you get in your older versions of the Bible. And it's an important word because it expresses something really, really important that happened at the cross. So the picture of justification is the picture of a courtroom. And it's like we are taken into the courtroom and we are put under a charge for having failed God in every possible way of being terrible sinners. But it's as though that charge is completely thrown out of court and we are declared not guilty. And we're not declared not guilty because of what Jesus did at the cross. Romans 3 verse 24 says we are justified freely by his grace. And I've heard that explained as justification. It's just as if I had never sinned. Okay, you are justified. It's just as if you had never sinned. You are free to live a different life because you are in that place of being just as if you had never sinned. But it's not only that you're not guilty, but righteousness is positively added to your account. 
It's not just that you are declared not guilty. You are, it's just as if you'd never sinned. And so you have a blank slate. And now you've got to try and build on that. But actually the Bible says Jesus' righteousness is put on your account. You have all the righteousness of God. Romans 5 verse 17 says this. We have the free gift of righteousness. So at the cross, there was an exchange. He took all our sin away from us, but he gave his righteousness to us. So we have his righteousness. So our righteousness is not just about us doing all the good things that, yes, we want to do, but it's actually Jesus' righteousness is on our account. The fourth thing I want to mention is you were ransomed and redeemed. Mark 10 verse 45 says this, he gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life as a ransom for many. What's that all about? I'm going to give you a historical example of what a ransom was. In 1193 AD, King Richard I, uh, it's Richard the Lionheart, if you know that name, he was captured in Europe. He was captured, he was a prisoner of the Austrian emperor. And his release was secured by the payment of a ransom. The people of England needed to pay a ransom to get their king free. And it was an enormous sum of money. It was the equivalent of a quarter of every single person's annual wages that were paid for the king to be set free. But amazingly, Jesus loves us and he loves his people, loves humanity so much that he gave his whole life as a ransom that we could be set free. And, and, and you know, when the people of England gave this massive sum of money, they expected their king to come back and to function as a king to actually do the job that he was supposed to be doing. And so Jesus, when he ransoms us, he has paid our, our, our ransom fee. He's brought us out of captivity so that we can function in everything that he has for us. We are set free from those chains to live the life that we were destined for. In the same way that Richard I was freed so he should live the life that he was destined for in ruling and reigning the kingdom over the kingdom of England. So too, we have been ransomed and set free so that we should rule and reign in life. So we are ransomed. So we are free to live that life that God has called us to because of the ransom of Jesus' death on the cross. And linked with that is the idea of redemption which is also about paying money. In Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says this, in him we have redemption through his blood. And again, it's about payment. And the picture would have been very clear to people in Paul's day when he wrote those words because it was about the slave market. It was the payment of the amount of money that was required to redeem a slave out of slavery so that slave could be set free. In him we have redemption through his blood, his blood that was shed on the cross. So in Paul's day, when a slave was brought out of slavery, they were said to be redeemed. We were slaves to sin, but we are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6, verse 6. 
My fifth thing is this, you were made holy. You were set apart for God. You know, when I was a young Christian, I thought I was forgiven, but now I needed to try to be holy. And that's all it was all about. Being holy was all about my efforts. But actually at the cross, Jesus made us holy. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says, you have been washed, you have been sanctified. The word sanctified means made holy. You have been washed by the blood of Jesus. You have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 verse 10 says this, we have been made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Our job is then to live out that life of holiness. We've been made holy, now let's live holy. The sixth thing is you died. Well, is that good news? Doesn't sound like good news. But yes, you died. At the cross, you died. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, we need to remember whatever has happened to Christ has happened to us. Not only did Jesus die at the cross, but our old life died at the cross too. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Again, when I was a young Christian, I was taught I had to die. That my whole purpose in, in, in living as a Christian was to die. But actually, I have already died. I'm already dead and made alive with Christ. Colossians 2.13, God made you alive with Christ. So to be made alive with Christ, I had to be dead first. Okay, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. My old life died at the cross, but now I have a new life. Romans 6 verse 6, our old man has been crucified with him. And so that means that we can live a new life. We're not constrained by that old life that we had before we became a Christian. That actually we have a new life that we can live with his power. And so seven, you became a new person. At the cross, you became a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new person. The old person we were, decaying, subject to sin. The new person we are is now fit for a new heaven and a new earth. We are new people and God has made us new people at the cross. My eighth thing that I've got here is at the cross, you died to the law. Romans 4 says this, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. Colossians 2.14 says, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, the law was there to show us all our failures and that we needed Christ. Now we've come to Christ, we don't need the law to tell us our failures. Actually, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what he wants. We, he has put his law on our hearts. He's, given, uh, he's replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh that wants to serve him. 
So we don't go back to the law all the time to find out how we live our lives. Rather, we live our lives according to the Holy Spirit, according to the Spirit that He's put within us. So when it comes to serving, we don't look for some list of rules about how much serving we need to do and tick off, have I served enough this week? Yes, I can tick that off and I can tick that off, I can tick that off. Because it's not about following a law, it's about doing what the Holy Spirit is putting within us and the desire that He has put within us to serve. So we don't serve because of a law, we serve because our hearts have been transformed and we want to serve. We don't look to a law that says how much we give and when we give and how often we give, but rather we give because our hearts have been transformed and we want to give because of God's work within us. You see, a lot of Christians are not free because they're trying to legalistically follow Jesus. They're trying to follow Jesus just out of a whole load of rules. But Jesus didn't say, follow me by following all these rules. We follow him by following him, by being responsive to him, by having a relationship with him. We don't want to have a relationship with rules. That doesn't really work. Having a relationship with Jesus, now that really works. And the new person that we are, transformed because of what Jesus did at the cross, releases us and makes us free to live in that lifestyle. That actually we want to serve him. We want to come and pray. We want to come and worship. That we don't pray because we've been told it's really important that you pray, but actually our hearts are turned and we want to pray. That we want to come to the prayer meeting. We want to see what Jesus wants to do amongst us. So freedom is not following rules. Freedom is following a person, following the person of Jesus. My ninth thing is this. At the cross, the devil was defeated. You know, some Christians live as though there's a battle going on between two equal forces, good and bad, God and the devil, and that somehow there's these evil forces and we somehow hope that God is going to prevail in any given situation, but we're not really quite sure. But Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. He defeated the devil at the cross, and so now he is a defeated foe. Colossians 2.15 says this, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, by the cross. It was by the cross that Jesus defeated the devil. And so every evil power was defeated. And that means that we are free to live in victory. We are free to live free from the shackles of the enemy. So that's my nine things. I have rushed through them really quickly. Thank you for bearing with me as we've gone through them. But what does all this mean for us? How do we apply this into our lives? You see, freedom comes from knowing who we are in Christ and then living it out. We need to know the truth and then we need to live in the good of it. It's no good us coming to church on a Sunday and hearing all this truth but not living in it. We've got to know it and then Live it out. And sometimes we need to keep going back to these truths to make sure that our lives are still aligned with them and that we're still actually living it out. Rich, if you'd like to come up. In the film Shawshank Redemption, the main character spent years and years in prison. 
And he finally, after numerous different attempts, managed to escape. In the end, he managed to chisel his way out of his prison cell using a, a tiny little rock hammer. It must have taken incredible endurance and incredible perseverance to get through those walls. And then he got, broke through into the sewage system. And his way out was through the prison sewage. His way out was through unmentionable stuff. But I want to say today that our freedom doesn't just come from our hard work. Our freedom, it comes from him. It's a gift from God. We don't need to stay in the prison cell. We don't need to stay in chains. You know, sometimes we need to talk through some stuff with people. Sometimes we need prayer. But most important, we need to know the truth and we need to ensure that we are applying it to ourselves. Jason Lozano, who is the pastor of Freedom City Church, who I was hearing this week, he said these words this week, freedom is life without limit. Freedom is life without limit. And so often as Christians, we put our own limitations or we allow ourselves to be under the limitations that we think other people have put on us. So why don't we all just stand right now and we're going to worship together. And as we're worshipping, it may well be that, um, you know, there are some areas in your life where you're not as free as you really think you ought to be or want to be. And I want to encourage you to believe that this can be a moment of encounter with God where you can get freedom. And you might have felt that you've been trying hard and trying hard and trying to be free and you've come before God before, but, but believe again that this could be your moment to come into fresh areas of freedom in your life. I don't know what those areas could be, but you know. You can imagine what those areas are in your life. So as we're worshipping, maybe you want to take that opportunity. But let's also make sure that we're worshipping Jesus, who died on the cross, that we can be free. And that actually our hearts overflow with love for him who gave his life as a ransom, who, who paid that total sacrifice on our part that we can be free. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.